The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You asked for it. Here it is. It's a podcast from Apathetic Enthusiasm. episode we talk about running a lot and jury duty and possible writer strikes it's oh, apathetic enthusiasm oh i did not do any research on that last one uh, other this is fine <laughs> this is fine. shit uh welcome to apathetic enthusiasm fine. everybody i am brandon that over there on the other side of the vocal range <laughs> we're not that far <laughs> away is travis hey travis how are you doing Oh hi, hi Brandon. How how are you? I'm good. Good. You look I'm, good. All things considered, I'm doing great. You look great. Yeah. You look you look great. Yeah. You look good. You sound good. Your levels are are pretty much matched with mine, and that's that's pretty good. Uh, thank you. And that's all we can really ask for here thank on you the podcast. That's all we ever wanted for our Twitch stream. Um, yeah. So okay, welcome to the show. There's a few ways you can hit us up. You can go to the Twitter at Apathusiast. I'm at Barnyard Cruise. He's at Juggle Mino, Apathetic Enthusiasm Show at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram. Look, we're the only people with the name Apathetic Enthusiasm. So if you just if you just Google that and 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 use the plus sign and then add social media, I guarantee you will find us yeah, in some way, there. shape, or form. Uh, we're there. Uh, you can hang out uh be part of the show, uh, especially on Monday nights if you go to twitch.tv slash apathetic enthusiasm. Big hello to everybody hanging out in the chat right now. Uh, and then finally, you can support the show and all of our podcast endeavors over at patreon.com slash apathetic enthusiasm. That's the business. That's the business side. <laughs> now it's all fun. Business, side. business is done. Mm-hmm. Now it's time for fun. Brandon, how was your weekend? Did you do anything out of the ordinary? Uh, my weekend was was pretty good. I will I will admit. I will admit my weekend is pretty good. I went to... Uh, you know, I'm I'm I work I work four hours. No, they strike that reverse. I work ten hour I work days. Four hours, four <laughs> grueling hours. I work ten hour days, it. four days a week, and then I have Friday off. I have every Friday off, and and so I'm at work for forty hours, but I work <laughs> for four hours. And maybe that's a maybe that's a, a exaggeration, but so so Friday I went ahead. I started on my my campaign uh, or one shot for some D and D action. So getting that, getting that put together, I feel pretty good about it. Pretty excited about it. I sent to everybody Exciting. Um, so, some some preparation work over over the weekend as well. Uh, hung out with my parents, had lunch at had lunch downtown, and then Saturday went to my old stomping grounds in La Crescenta. There was like a car 
a car show type thing. And uh, so my my mom and dad went down there. But also I got to see Mr. Matt Sizemore's parents, old Bess, old Bess's parents. So so John D. Sizemore was there with his Mustang, his bitchin' Mustang, which he's selling, which I can't buy because Matt will be <laughs> Matt will be mad at me. You're like, no, that's my <laughs> car. That's my legacy car. But it's a stick shift. And Matt doesn't know how to how to use a clutch. And so, oh, that's a key bit of Sizemore lore yeah. that uh, you only get here on the podcast. <laughs> that's a, I'll take it. So, uh, so I got to, got to see John, got to see uh, Matt's mom, Linda, and, and his brother, Ross. And so they're, they're like family to me. I've known them for a long time. So it was really, really good seeing them. And then Sunday, do some more D&D prep, just hanging out. Uh, did I released a new, uh, it's on random. So that's, that's out there on, on the Patreon, uh, which by the way, uh, if you're, you, you care, we have a Patreon and we have stuff there. Um, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I ran six miles. Sounds like a good productive weekend. I ran lots of fun. I ran six miles on Saturday, uh, which I dare anybody on this podcast to beat. (laughs) All right. Well, sounds good. I dare Uh, anybody. I I dare anybody. (laughs) Um, well, I, I might've beat that, uh, by a few miles, uh, this weekend. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. The jury's still out on how much running I actually did. Um, yeah. So as as the title suggests, uh, I I ran the marathon that we've oh. been talking about for way too long on this podcast this for sure. weekend. For sure. Way um, too long. I finished it. That's it. That's a story. <laughs> I don't. Know. Well, well, so, I don't know what uh, you guys want to talk about. Uh, I mean, yeah. we we we've talked so much about uh, doing running in the in the last you know basically like couple months because you've been doing this this marathon prep so i don't care about yeah. like the the prep anymore all i care about is 26 whatever miles it's it's a it's a 26.2 it's a long ways let's, let's not let's not get it twisted it's a long ways what we won't harp on this for too long but what is the most challenging thing about 26.2 miles ah uh, jeez um, for me, I would have to say it was the running. Um, that, that part was tough. Uh, no, I, I mean, we did talk about prep a lot before, before we get into the, the challenging bit. Um, that was my question I, though. I don't care about the okay, rest of Okay. We'll talk about the challenging bit. The challenging bit for me was the last six miles. And I think something I've learned about myself is. Uh, the mental aspect of running is uh, just as important as the physical aspect in a lot of ways. And I think I've realized about myself that there is a little bit of a mental barrier or block when tackling new distances. Uh Uh So to dip back into the prep a little bit, uh, the training plan that I was using maxed out on a 20 mile run two weeks before the actual marathon event. And from what I've seen, that's kind of typical for a lot of training plans is to get up to 20 miles and then you go out and you do the 26.2, which is a full 10K tacked on to the farthest distance that you've ever run in your life, potentially, (laughs) if you're in my shoes, right? So I think as I was doing those long runs, what tended to be the case is um, I've, I've, I've run half marathons before. I've done two of those like 10 years ago. And 
the first run for this training that was past a half marathon was a 15 mile run. And the last two miles of that 15 mile run for me were really difficult. I was walking more. I was like having to stop. And it was, I mean, it wasn't that much more than the 13 miles I had done previously, but I think the mental idea of running that extra distance, that, that distance that I haven't traveled before was difficult. And every two weeks as I was training and adding those distances, almost, almost every time as I entered into the portion of the run that was new to me. So for the 18 mile, it was around the 15 mile marker that it started to get really hard. And in the 20 miler, it was after about 18 miles that I was having to walk a little bit more and struggled. Uh, I, I think, I think that was like a legitimate test for me because during the marathon after about 20 miles is when I really started to feel the struggle. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so the only way to test this theory is to go out and run another marathon. <laughs> and then I'll know whether or not it was only because it was the first time that I had done it. You haven't signed up for another one, uh, have you? <laughs> I, I haven't. No, okay. it's only been about... Uh, 36 hours, hours <laughs> since I finished the last marathon. So I'll give, I'll give it a little bit more time. I'll let the legs heal a little bit more before <laughs> I sign up. For, but I, but I am, I would be lying if I had said I haven't already gone to the events website and looked at next year's stuff. Yeah. Um, that, that would be a lie. Cause I definitely have been on the website again. Well, we, uh, the, the space force has a 10 miler over <laughs> in, uh, over at Cape Canaveral. And so I, I already, already kind of joked with uh, my, my buddies that I'm like, I guess maybe this time, this year I will run that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I haven't run a marathon. The most I've run is is now, a, 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 well, I guess the 10 miler still is, is the longest I've run. But, yeah. um, you know, like, I don't know, like I, I want to do another one clearly. So um, I'll go get after it. Well, you signed up for a half, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like officially, you did. Like you put money on the table. Yeah, I put I put money on the table and everything. But the way I, the way I figure it is, even if even if I don't run the whole thing, right? Like it doesn't. I have four hours. I have four hours to run. Uh, yeah, the thir thirteen point one miles. You can practically walk it in that time. I I really I really really can. Uh, but but you know, similar to you, like as far. Like uh, you're talking about like running and then hitting that wall and then being like, oh, now this is a new distance. I'm like, I'm like kind of weirdly, I don't want to say the opposite, but like at the start of the run, I'm like, uh, this run's going to be so long. And my, my legs are very, very tight and, and I don't warm up properly. And so like I ran this six miles on Saturday and the first two miles, like everything was sore down there and my like su super tight. And like I had to stop and like stretch maybe. Uh, every quarter mile and walk a little bit, but then something switched. And then I was like, I'm good with running all of the rest of the way. It was, it was <laughs> yeah. very, very strange. So I, I think I do need to warm up more, but, but yeah, so half well, marathon. Well, and I think that's the thing for me is I feel like I ran the first almost two thirds of this marathon um, a little too fast, hmm. a little like, because I, I felt really I felt really good for that portion of it, right? Like, um, obviously, like there 
the excitement and emotion around an event like this um adds to some adrenaline yeah, right there were 19,000 sure. people oh my god and, and signed you, and up you, for this event and you placed in the top 19,000 just shy um <laughs> so uh ac across across all different races i think there were cuz there was a there was a 5k and then the half the full as well as a relay um but in terms of the race the, the race that i ran was the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon uh it's a race that is the largest fundraiser for the Oklahoma City bombing memorial. And it is, this is my third time running in some form of the event. And it is, it is a very special event because it is, a, they call it the run to remember. It's an honor of those that died uh, in the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, the start is very emotional. They do like 168 seconds of silence for all of like one second for each person that died. So there's a lot of like emotion tied to that. There are signs with uh, the names of people that were lost. There's people running with like special bibs on that say running in remembrance yeah. and they have different people's names on it. So like all of that makes it a lot more emotional than just hey, I signed up for the 10K turkey trot, you know, or what, you know, whatever it was, right? Like, um, <laughs> no offense to any turkey trotters out there. No offense to any any turkey trotters. Yeah, no, I... Uh, I yeah, but... I, um, I get... I get and there's just... Yeah. I, no, I, 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 told, I, totally, I totally get that. You know, the same thing for me for this half marathon that is, is taking place basically down the street from me starting at the duck pond... And is running through the same wash that I run through all the time. Anyway, it has that it has that emotional significance. That same emotional energy, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, it does for sure. Um, but so that 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 yeah. thing is going to be like thing is we it's going to be it's going to be fun. I have to I still have to pick up my mileage mileage a little bit. Um, and like that's going to be like a like the summer is coming up is like going to be so much traveling anyway. Like. Um, like so that that half marathon is like on the 25th and then and then that week talking about like air force and space force stuff like i have two friends that are retiring that i'm going to go on a <laughs> like i'm going to go up uh to to see them they're at fort meade and so like see their retirement ceremonies and then i'm going to hop on a plane that like that same night and then come back to lax so i can go to new mexico for Fourth of July, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. It's gonna be it's gonna, gonna be a blast. It's gonna be great. And that's like be, so you have so much travel. You have like on. just over a month, a month and a half, almost two. Yeah, to train for this then. Yeah, yeah, and I think okay. I think we're like gonna do like a, a weekend in in Anaheim too. <laughs> it's like <sighs> just bring your shoes. Just bring your just shoes. Bring your shoes. I'll run around Disneyland. Um, if it's that if it sounds great. If if the dragon hasn't burnt it down yet. <laughs> <laughs> they will rebuild Wah. her Wah. Well, the technology yeah let's let's we're done talking about running now we'll never talk about it again and no uh, we, we will never talk about it again <laughs> yeah time to segue into well oh we, we have we have one other fitness related thing oh yeah to that's right into. that's right well well so, yeah that's a good segue literally literally the day after uh the marathon uh may started <laughs> and uh brandon had sent me a challenge uh it's actually like it is a fundraiser right for for saint jude if you if you sign up and you can register i think um 
if you want to do that, go check out St. Jude's website. Not a sponsor, but um, we are officially not associated with this event in any way. <laughs> yeah. uh, the main thing we're associated with is the challenge of doing 3,000 push-ups. That's right. In the month of May. So, Brandon, I don't know if you sent this to me as a bit or not, or like if you were not expecting to actually do it, but I was in the 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 tail end of a marathon training program where I was like, heck yes, I'm let's good. do hard things. <laughs> so 3,000 push-ups in the month of May averages out to about 100 push-ups a day. Easy. Give or take. There's 31 days in May, so you get a little bit of cushion. But I sent you a spreadsheet today <laughs> on a shared account that had every day of the month listed and then a place for us to track our push-ups. Uh-huh. Yep. And we started today. Doing pretty Both good. of us are at 100 push-ups right now. Right right now. We can, we can stop this show right now and do, do a couple more. Get get ahead of the curve for tomorrow. I think we could. I think my, my arms feel okay. My Those arms don't. I'll tell you the last time I've done push-ups. <laughs> it was like, it was the summer before COVID started. That's basically the last time I've done push-ups. And uh, so like, I, I, like <laughs> I started strong today, right? Uh, and again, this is the support St. Saint, Saint Jude. Like we're not actually supporting him. We're just doing the push-ups just as maybe an act of solidarity. But, and it wasn't a and bit. It wasn't a bit. Like I've always... St. Jude is always the charity that I gave to, uh, because like, I, you know, I care about the kids. Like I, you know, like no kid, yeah. uh, you know, kids are our future and, uh, we need to have them for a future. So, um, anyway, so it wasn't a pit. I wanted to do pushups and I'm like, this is a good, this is a good cause for me to also just start doing pushups. So yeah, I, I sent it to you. Seriously. I sent it to Matt too. He's like, no, no, could happen. Um, Matt should get on board. He should. Unless he's afraid. He has back issues and blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, but so first 20 I did this morning, I'm like, all right, okay. Hey, this isn't too bad. I haven't done this in a while. This is pretty good. The second 20, you know, maybe like an hour and some change later, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll be a little slower, a little slower. I'm like, if as long as I do them, you know, I spread them out further, it'll be fine. And then by the time I, by the time I was doing 60 to 80, I was like, Ow. Oh no. My, <laughs> my tricep is, is not, uh, doing what I want it to do. And then the 80 to hundred, I was like, okay, you know what? Let me change my stance and start using my chest a little bit more on, on this piece. Um, and so I don't know how I'm going to do, I may injure myself, but, uh, if I, if I do, I'll still, uh, I'll do maybe, um, more runs. <laughs> we didn't talk, we, we weren't going to talk about run, so I can't. Yeah, yeah, we never will speak of running again um, until my next marathon or Brandon's half marathon. Um, yeah, push-ups. We're going to do the push-ups. Uh, my arms feel okay right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm excited to try and keep up with this throughout the month. Um, if anybody is listening <laughs> and wants to take on the challenge as well, let us know. We'll keep put, us posted we'll on put your you progress. In the spreadsheet. We'll put you in the spreadsheet if you, if you want yeah, to. Yeah, let's just add columns. That's fine. We can do that. That's not a problem. <laughs> not we'll a... send you the spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll uh, link it to you. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be, it'll, it'll be, it'll be great. And it'll all be for a good cause. And then we'll put it out on Twitter. And then St. Jude will be like, oh my God, I love all of you. I love you so Why? much. Why didn't you officially sign up <laughs> so that we could raise money? <laughs> Why um, didn't you actually give us money? The pushups don't mean as much as the actual money. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe well, I'll, I'll donate some money as well. <laughs> okay. 
so yeah, 3,000 push-ups in the month of May. We're doing that. Um, cool. So that's we're going to be so fit. We're, like our, our summer beach bodies when we're in California for or in San Diego for Comic-Con, it's like, <laughs> oh man, Ooh. we're going to be so fit and our arms are going to be so sore. <laughs> what? Just walking around La Jolla, just <laughs> we're gonna have rippled a, triceps. We're going to have such skinny legs from running. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and like, I'm not going to do any, any different push-ups, right? It's all just going to be like this one bicep and the outside of my chest. <laughs> That's all it's going to be. Yeah, this is, this is fine. This is going to be my, 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 my nipples are like, if 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 it if only the muscle on the outside gets so like I guess they'll point in. <laughs> my goal is to have my nipples like get like you're gonna have cross like, touch each other. <laughs> Just okay, cool. <laughs> I look forward to that. I guess. Uh, all right, let's move on from our our weird bodies and uh, let's talk about uh, a show that I wanted to talk about with Brandon last mm. week, but he hadn't really checked it out. Uh, the show has been uh, around and circulating for a little bit now on a little network called Freebie. That's right. This is the the inaugural uh, mention of the Freebie streaming service <laughs> on any Apathetic Enthusiasm podcast. Uh, but yeah, this is a show called Jury Duty. Uh, came out uh, several weeks ago and kind of was slow in gaining in popularity, but uh, caught on by a lot of people. And I thought it was just a really interesting concept and wanted to get your take on it, Brandon. Um, Basically, the idea is that uh, somebody has signed up to be part of a documentary that is covering the uh, jury process in the United States, right? So from getting called for a jury all the way through jury selection through an actual case uh, and the verdict, what life is like for jurors, both in the courtroom and outside of the courtroom, they were going to follow and interview this jury um, for a documentary. What the one individual in the show doesn't know is that everybody that they interact with are actors. Uh, none of it is real. It is all staged and for the most part, like loosely scripted. And uh, and by the end of it, it is revealed that it has all uh, been one big con, one, I guess. One, one, one big ploy. Yeah, uh, and, and I th- so I think that the the beginning part of that intro talking about like, oh, juries across, this is how juries work, you know, blah, 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 blah. It, it's, you know, that's boring to me in general. But, and then, then, then it gets into the, uh, that the, it's on the unscripted part and it's like, uh, one person who's unwittingly a part of this whole thing. Now, uh, you ask ask me my my thoughts on it, and so I watched an episode. I watched an episode, and um, it, it's it's not that it's a bad show, and I, I think I think you'll talk a little bit more about why you think it's it's better than what I'm going to talk about, which is uh, the Joe Schmo show was a thing that existed mid mid 2000s our 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 buddy producer early aughts yeah as the teens are saying uh, yeah our our mentor and produce and sometimes producer funder of the show bob carroll was the one who introduced yes. me to uh the joe schmo show and the whole joe schmo show thing was like it was all about like a real world road rules type of thing 
it was kind of kind of bachelorette yeah yeah that right that, that like too, it yeah. was it's like a date like reality dating they had like the mansion and all these weird couple like trying to like do like dating type stuff yeah 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 um or like big brother it was like big more big brotherish i think right sure okay um and so joe schmo uh, i don't remember the guy's name but he was like he was the unwitting guy now in that series like i i enjoyed the heck out of it when i was watching it and and then the second season rolled around and i, I still liked it liked it and i guess there was a third season it doesn't matter but uh at the end of at the end of the show and they reveal it to him and and all that good stuff they had an after show maybe a little bit later or they interviewed him maybe a couple years later and he was so upset about the whole thing. He was actually upset that he's like, you know, you're the butt of the joke basically. Uh, and everyone, everyone's making like, they're not making fun of you, but like everyone's having fun at your expense and your reactions and all that type of stuff. Um, so after that, I've always had this sense of, I don't want to laugh at people. I don't want people to have that feeling. I don't want them to feel like, Oh, I, you were making fun of me, right? So right, now yeah. jury duty comes out. I watched, I watched the episode. Uh, this dude is just like a normal guy uh, and he's interacting with, with progressively stranger things um, in. And I was like, I couldn't get the taste of Joe Schmo out of the back of my mind as I was watching it. Now you're going to talk to me about why you think this is show is different from maybe the, the meaner spirited uh, bit of Joe Schmo. Yeah. And I think, the lingering effects of the Joe Schmo show and other iterations and, and types of, you know, creation like this initially turned me off to the, the premise as well. I remembered the Joe Schmo show. I remembered I didn't watch it like thoroughly. Like, I don't think I watched any subsequent seasons or even a full season of that show. But the idea of just a really long hidden camera practical joke on a person I uh, just didn't really appeal to me that much. And so while I saw advertisements and things coming out about jury duty, I, I, I am fascinated by the premise of a lot of people all working together to try and pull off a very difficult event and staging a television show where things are going crazy and all these actors have to, coordinate and collaborate and you have to do that for like a couple weeks and not let on to a person that none of this is real that to me is fascinating but at the same time i'm like it sucks for the guy that's like haha we fooled you right and one of the actors in the show and the only person who's relatively famous in the show is james marston <laughs> um he plays himself in the show, which I thought was pretty interesting to begin with. He plays James Marsden, who gets called in for jury duty. And he plays a version of himself that is very egotistical and is a stereotypical Hollywood type who is like super <laughs> like about himself and about getting special treatment and all these things. And, and, and for those but, and for those who don't know who James Marsden is. Uh, don't start with X Men. You never start with 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 Cyclops from X Men. Uh, he was in, he was in the Notebook, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, he was the other guy. <laughs> he was the other guy in the Notebook. He's in the Sonic He's in Enchanted in the Sonic movies. He's in the Sonic movies. He's in Westworld. Yeah. Oh shit, you were in Westworld. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I saw an interview online with James Marsden, and he was talking about when he made the decision to participate in the show. And one of the things he said is he didn't want to do the show if the main guy was going to be the butt of the joke. There was, there was, he, he was fine with all of these other things happening around him, but they really wanted to make the show about like how this guy is a good guy and how he, um, it's sort of the hero of the story. Right. And so, and, and I think throughout the show, as you watch it, uh, that becomes evident where it's, it's less about, um, and I'm sorry, I want to, I want to get the, his name out there. Ronald Gladden, um, plays himself. Right. So Ronald is the only guy that doesn't know that this is a TV show, but he is interacting with everyone throughout the course. He, of the, of the jury, he has made the, um, what is it called? Like when you're in charge of the jury, like the prime, prime, the, prime jury. I don't know. Jury prime, prime <laughs> jury. Dread. Uh, dread. Yeah. The foreman jury, jury foreman. Is uh, that, I think what it's called anyway. So he's like, he's having to, to deal with all these weird scenarios. And it's, it is kind of a cool, like slice of life, how he deals with it. But the guy is such a, a good dude. And he, handles things so well he's very kind to everybody and he's supportive of other people and he wants to do a good job he takes it very seriously um and so it's just it's a really interesting concept to me and i just i thought it was really entertaining i thought i thought it was a, a cool idea the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about that's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Dia, um, James Marston is... Uh, he's, he's good in the show. He's, yeah. he makes, he's, he's willing to really make himself look awful, uh, for the sake of the show. Um, and all of the other actors are phenomenal too. And I think they do a really great job. Yeah. One of my favorite things about the series is the final episode, which is after they reveal that it was all, you know, a ruse they kind of go behind the scenes and and show how they revealed everything to Ronald, right? So instead of um, it ending with like, ha-ha, this was fake, roll credits, that final scene kind of pulls back the curtain on everything, shows all of the work that went into it, shows interviews with the cast and crew about all the things they had to do, the times they messed up and then had to cover up and kind of <laughs> redirect or correct 
uh, course in that. Um, so I think all of that's really interesting too. Turns out the cast is all like still really close and they like hang out and um, still keep in touch, which I think is awesome as well. And uh, overall, I, it's a it's a short series that is on freebie, so it doesn't cost <laughs> you any money to watch it. Uh, but if you haven't seen Jury Duty, I mean, I, I would encourage people to at least check it out yeah, because I think so. the, the guy does at least what we see on camera does not seem upset about the situation. I think the way that they handled it in the reveal, it really does a good job of, of taking that idea of like, ha ha, we got you. And instead really being like, you were awesome. Regardless of what we threw at you, you were still genuine and you were the hero of the story. Thank you for doing that. And like, I don't know. He see, he seems to take it really well. So yeah, I don't know. It's a cool idea to me. The uh the the Nathan Fielder show that's on that was on HBO, right? Uh, he, the he, rehearsal. <laughs> the rehearsal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I I always think about this when we're like we're looking at people on reality shows, uh, and the things that they say or that they do, and I and I think about the rehearsal. I think of this the the episode where Nathan Fielder, who that that show we we talked about on on AE before. Uh, he's like, his whole thing is like, he's rehearsing <laughs> like the, he like prepares rehearsals for real life situations for people who are like, may have social anxiety or whatever. But then it turns into a meta thing about him rehearsing to better himself. Anyway. Uh, so there's one episode of that show where he's, uh, he's like taking an acting class or something like that, but then he does a rehearsal for the acting class. And in that rehearsal of the acting class, he also shows the behind the scenes of what he did leading up to that point in time. And it's about like people like the actors who were budding actors that were in the acting class originally were signing like release notes. Like you going to be on camera. Are you going to be on camera and stuff like that? And because of that power differential, because someone is holding a contract in front of you and saying, Hey, you're going to be on camera. Then like they're more willing to do or say things that maybe they wouldn't normally be doing. And so I always, yeah. I always think about that. Uh, so I think about like the Joe Schmo show finale, going back to that real quick, not saying that the, the, the dude on the jury duty is, is, is angry about it or anything, but that dude uh, who, who Greg pointed out was Matt Kennedy Gould was what they showed on camera was him taking in good faith and be like, Ooh, Oh my God. Oh, all right. Right. And, it, and then it sinks in. And then it then it sinks in over time. And that's when you start he felt, probably got bitter about it, like manipulated, felt stupid, felt like a joke. So, you know, I, I think that that's for me kind of where that 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 comes in. But again, not saying jury duty guy is 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 upset about it, but it's that power differential. You're on camera. If, if, Ron, if Ronald comes out at any point in the future and says, This sucked, I regret doing it. Uh, it was a horrible experience, and he's upset about it. I retract all of my earlier statements. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, but until then, I I enjoyed it. I think wrong. it's just funny. Like even even if even if the show even if the show didn't have a person that didn't know they're acting in it, like I think some of the bits and things that they do are pretty comical. Mm -hmm. But it definitely adds a layer to the comedy when you realize that somebody is expressing their their true reactions to that sort of a scenario and uh yeah it's 
it's I don't know. I thought it was which, funny. Which, anyway, which freebie, is, go watch Jury Which Duty. is why we've been watching the hell out of Hot Ones. <laughs> hot Ones is good too. Hot, hot Ones. Hot, um, look, we we've been binging the hell out of Hot Ones. This is a real quick aside. So Hot Ones is a show where celebrities go on and they're interviewed while they're eating ten different hot wings uh, of of increasing. If you don't know what Hot Ones are, you are not in the target demographic for this podcast i'm almost sure of it <laughs> i just I, I just i just i just have to say it uh just just for anybody who, who maybe this is the first time they're tuning into apathetic enthusiasm but so so hot 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 ones yeah interview show celebrities increasingly uh Our first we spicy. Feast. that's right <laughs> um and so what i find very very interesting about that show and, and i think i started watching it more with pedro pascal when, when he was on there um but like the how people start they they seem so genuine most times they seem so genuine and you almost get a good sense of do i like this person as a person when they start the show uh because sometimes they go in there and they're not like especially maybe like in the earlier seasons they're like what am i doing like my publicist hook like uh, is wants me to be here. And so why am I eating hot wings? I don't, I don't even yeah. really want to, I'm on here. a press tour. I have to plug this movie. <laughs> yeah. Why are there hot wings? And, and, and some, and some people like go in with a chip on the shoulder and then they leave with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, and I'm like, you know what? I guess I don't really necessarily like that person as much as I thought I did. But then there are some people who go in and then they, they start strong and then they, they end strong. And you're like, you know what? Thank Thank goodness. Like that is a, that that's what I thought that person was. So like, uh, uh, Paul Rudd is the obvious one. Pedro Pascal is another one. Uh, Steve-O God, I, that, that guy is just like, he's been through so much and he's just such a, like his, his stuff like made me cry. Cause he's just like, he's just such a genuinely sweet guy. And, uh, uh, anyways, that show is very, very genuine and, uh, and I, and I love everything from it. So yeah, fantastic. I think it's just gotten better over time. Um, I, and I, I kind of want to try all of their sauces. Oh, okay. The fiery Chipotle. So, uh, who, who was it? Who was it? Oh, uh, Alton Brown was like, he, he ranked all of them. By the way, Alton Brown, just a sassy, sassy bitch. That guy is, he, he's like, he I just, love him. he just, he's him. so confident. He's such a, he's such a diva. He's such, he's such a kind of an asshole. Um, but he knows what he's doing. He's like, he's a guy who like you, he knows that he knows more than you about whatever he's talking about. Right. And he's not afraid. He's not afraid to show it. Uh, but he ranked the fiery Chipotle as, as the number one uh, for that thing. And I believe it when he's like, yeah, this is number one. This one sucks when he's like throws another bottle in the trash. Right. Um, that fiery Chipotle. It is, it is, it is so good. I had it a couple weeks ago, dude. Yeah. That's, it's it's solid far out and right on man okay right on okay well one of the one of the issues that we might find ourselves in is shows like jury duty even shows like hot ones potentially probably not hot ones hot ones should be fine you too. uh are are at risk as of the recording of this episode uh, because as we speak, and I haven't, I haven't seen any updates. I've been refreshing the Googles. <laughs> uh, the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, I think, uh, is currently uh, in negotiation. Still, their contract expires tonight at midnight, um, which 
leads to the potential for yet another Hollywood writer strike uh, that that will happen uh, tonight if they are unable to come to another agreement. So basically what that means, or for anybody that wasn't paying attention in like 2007, is lost. Uh, uh... <laughs> lost. <laughs> yeah, you're lost right now. Um, uh, this means all of the people that work on or in the writers' rooms and uh, develop the written material for some of our favorite shows uh, and and movies as well. Um, they are going to go on strike, right? Many, if you're not familiar with uh, what it's like to be a writer. Uh, for television, especially a, a lot of these people are not on like a hired salary or, or they may only have a contract for um, a brief period of time with a, a series. But for the most part, they're almost like gig workers, right? That are moving from job to job, from writer's room to writer's room, mm -hmm. project to project. Uh, and so they are a union, right? They, they, the writer's guild of America is a union that helps protect these workers and, and tries to, um, you know, lobby on their behalf and all of those sorts of things. And, and one of the situs that they're facing situations they're, they're facing right now. Yeah. It has to do with streaming, right? Streaming is huge. Streaming is everywhere. And the residuals that a lot of writers get when content that they work on moves to streaming is, is very low, right? So if you work on say a network television show, and that show goes into reruns or it's played again. Um, residual checks for that can be as much as like 50% of what you made on the original episode. Um, it could, or, you know, it, it varies, right? But for a lot of these shows, when they move to streaming, sometimes those residual checks drop down to like 5% or less, right? So uh, the writers are getting very little residual money money that they use to kind of fill that gap between projects. Yeah. And with the popularity of streaming, it's really affecting uh, the writer's business. So that's sort of the situation we find ourselves in is that they're trying to uh, get they're trying better to get paid. residuals. They're trying to get paid for to, the work that they do. They're trying to get do. paid. <laughs> I mean, at, at, the, at the core of it, that's really all it is, right? Streaming, movies, television. The fact is, is that there are people who write these things and there are people who are executives, people at the top, all these folks that are making a shit ton of money off of the work of, you know, gaffers and writers and directors and artists and all, all this stuff. Right. And well, I, I know some writers and they're like, they're, you know, they, they're struggling. They're like, they have to put so much work in in so much effort and so much heart into writing scripts, writing shows, writing anything uh, for it to just be like, all right, cool. Let's, you know, let's, I don't know. I'm give you $3,500 uh, and then uh, maybe, and then it goes into the, the back of nothing. Right. right. And like, even like uh, I think about this too, which is like, I think about like IMDB, for example, where actors, people who work on shows like behind the scenes, like building sets and stuff like that, like they can be working on a project for so long and then that shit gets scrapped. And, and so now like we talk about like putting stuff on resumes in, in, 
for, for jobs, you can't put those things on resumes because it's a project that wasn't seen to completion. And because you maybe put two years of your life into a project, well, you can't, you can't put that on there. Like, so what have you been doing yep. for two years? Well, I mean, I was working on some stuff. Oh, what? Uh, untitled well, project. On production, it, it, yeah. And I, I think there's a misconception um, because I think I was guilty of this for a long time. And, and, you know, on, on our other podcast, uh, Interdimensional RSS, we talk about writers all the time. We've had writers on the show. And when we talk about some of the people in the writer's room, we think about pe- like, you th- if you think about Dan Harmon or something, right? Like he's not just a writer, like he's an executive producer. He's a co-creator, right? He's pulling in a lot more money on the success of these projects than a person that it's their first year in the writer's room or somebody that's like trying to move up. Like the people that are writing a lot of the content for some of your favorite shows, they are not these Hollywood elites that, that live glamorous lifestyles necessarily. Right. They're, they're people that are putting in work and, and putting in a lot of creative work, but it's, you know, it's, it's still tough to make it. And, and, and We're talking about California. Everything's expensive there, every, so every, it's not easy to live. The cost there. of living is is exorbitant. And you know, you talk about Rick and Morty writers. Rick and Morty writers in the writers' room. Talking about Dan Harmon. If you go on a Twitter and you follow a certain amount of of Rick and Morty writers, ex writers for the show, they're some of the ones who are talking about this writer strike right now. So, like Sarah Carbiner, yeah. she's she's one of them, uh, a person who's who's been pretty adamant about the writer strike, and uh, you know. Uh, the, her, uh, she wrote, co-wrote the, the, the Vindicators episode. So, um, in the, in the Vindicators web series, right. That was another thing. Yep. So, um, so, so what is, what is a writer's strike for those of you again, that didn't experience it uh, a decade and a half ago? <laughs> um, what does that potentially mean? Uh, initially we're going to be watching biggest, a lot of reruns. <laughs> there, there will be reruns. The problem is on streaming, we already kind of watch a lot of reruns. True. Um, but I think the, sh- the the shows that will be most affected by it first are going to be shows like late night television, um, those sorts of shows, like uh, the, the late night talk shows, the shows that require the writing to be done very quickly, right? You think about late night talk shows, the monologues for Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, you know, Stephen Colbert there's a team of writers that help put that together. And if they're on strike, nobody's writing those jokes tomorrow. And so many of those jokes are topical or they're about news that's happening that day or the day prior. Uh, there's nobody to write those jokes. So the, I mean, obviously you can have an interview and you can have some of those things, but it, it, it kind of cripples those shows right away. And then beyond that, I mean, there's, there's, Netflix executives and executives from other streaming services that are talking about the fact that they have a bit of a stockpile of scripts that are already done or that have already been turned in for either existing shows or new concepts of shows yeah. where they can they can draw from that well to to try and keep producing some television. But the reality is, if they weren't already greenlighting those scripts, how how good are they going to be? Right? Like how long can you use that? Like before you're, 
you're kind of yeah. scraping the bottom of the barrel for content. Well, I, I, I uh, so, so Peace Among Rick's saying, so a show like Rick and Morty won't see the effects of the strike for a year or more. But I would say, what I'd say about that, so as far as like animation goes, animation, they write for a long time. They write a lot of episodes. And then eventually they, they have, then they have to do the animation. So the animation takes a long time. So I would almost say that for like an animated series, I, we know that Rick and Morty is already like they're in the middle of like writing season eight. They were in the middle of writing season eight. So if we're going to see any effects on like that show, it'll probably be, you know, like two years from now. That's when it'll be affected if, if at all, but the strike will have been ended by that point in time. And, and I'm, you know, they'll have gone back and, and Harmon, I think is, is anal enough to be like, all right, we're, we're past that. Now let's fix the scripts that <laughs> we're, we're, we're jacked up or, or half ass, or like we had to stop for it. Uh, I, so I think animation is not immune from it, but is kind of like maybe, uh, padded a little bit more because of just the nature of how long it takes for animation. Yeah. Yeah. I, that that's a great point. I I think, and we talked about Lost earlier. Lost was affected by that. Like it was a two thousand seven writer strike. Yeah, yeah. How long did that writer strike last? Because I feel like it lasted like a couple months. It, yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna Google it. Now. I, don't, I, I don't I don't remember. But we so for those who are not Lost watchers, Lost was on for six years. The third season of Lost was it the third season? Yeah, it was like the third season, right? It felt like it was the third season. The yeah. third season of Lost was was not the best season. As a matter of fact, it was like the most panned season of of the the show uh, because of the writer strike. And I think maybe like the the first half or the first or second half was 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 worse. Um, and you know, like that that was a, a result of like, well, we have to keep putting putting out episodes. We got to keep the money rolling into ABC. So let's do episodes like what is what is this main character's tattoo? What's the history <laughs> behind this main character's tattoo? Let's go back in time and look, <laughs> explore the history of Jack's tattoo. That's right, Stranger in a Strange Land, yeah. season three. Yeah, episodes. there was some there was some rough stuff. Uh, so the 2007-2008 strike was resolved after three months. Um. But yeah, it it definitely affected some shows. It resulted in some weird episodes. Certain shows just got straight up canceled uh, because they couldn't they couldn't outlast uh, the strike. And I and I also think this is a this is a, a factor of it too, um, separate from animation, which is in live and live in in live action television. There's also those active rewrites that are that are going on uh, as the as the show is being produced. And so like my, my brother-in-law is, is, does like some of that stuff is like ADR, like some line changes. Oh, this, this needs to get changed. This needs to get shifted around. You can do that a lot easier. Well, you can do that in, in live action. You're like, oh, we need a rewrite. Let's, let's shoot the scene differently, whatever. Well, if you're in a writer's strike, well, the actors are just writing what they were given at the time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In post-production, um, all, that, all that happy shit. I, I'm a little curious. Because, I mean, unless there's some last-minute deal that gets brokered, um, it looks like this may be inevitable that the, that there is a strike. How, because of the difference in the landscape of television in 2023 compared to what it was in 2007, 
I'm very curious how long this could go on or I, I guess just how resolute each side is going to be in maintaining the status quo or advocating for change. Because when you think about 2007, the biggest shows on television were on ABC. Like they were, they were on network television. Um, even, even cable wasn't like at the level that like with some of the hits that HBO has had in recent years and things like that. We're talking pre game of Thrones, you know, like any of that. Right. And so streaming wasn't even really a concept. You, you rented your Netflix by having them mail DVDs to you <laughs> like that. That was, that was where we were at uh, way back then. And so with names like Netflix, uh, these major streaming services, having a little bit more input into the landscape of television uh, how confident are they going to be that they can ride this out or that they can um, continue to make content or rely on existing content that's already in their services to keep people engaged or keep people watching their uh, their services waiting out these writers. So I, I think there is yeah. potential that it could last even longer depending on how shows are affected. We, we, it, there, there's a lot of unknowns. With yeah. This. Yeah. For, for sure. For sure. Well, uh, the, what I think you, like you, you mentioned it, this might, might've been the point that you're getting at was the streaming, not a, a, not a huge, big deal, not a huge, big deal. Like TiVo was, was how we streamed back, back, back in the DVR set your DVR. Right. That was, that was about what we right. had. But now like uh, the, the content that you got back in the day was it was NBC, ABC, Fox, <laughs> UPN, WB, uh, you know, uh, maybe maybe MTV, maybe the, these cable channels, HBO, uh, Skinamax, you know, Red Shoe Diaries. Um, like like we're not even talking like Breaking Bad, like Breaking Bad wasn't even right. Like, right. But so many shows that we think back now is like these major cultural events. But but that the content, the content of all of those things, that's what we that's what we were affected by. And there was they they almost had more of a stockpile of stuff that they could, you know, reach out and grab onto. The 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 speed and the quantity of material that they're putting out all the time, a new show a new series, you go to Netflix, there's like a new series every, every week that they are producing that they're, they're putting out and you're never going to watch all of them, but they're still pushing out that content. Right. It almost, you know, maybe they don't have as much of a stock, but they're going to burn through that stockpile if they, if they have to. And, uh, which means that they're going to have to come to a resolution and then they're going to start digging into the shows that weren't written that well. They're like, well, we got to make a show out of it anyways. Uh, Brandon's menagerie, uh, where he goes, he goes to thrift stores and looks at the shoes and, uh, he's looking for a new pair of Vans. By the way, the, the last pair of Vans I bought from a Goodwill, ah, uh, like I, I still wear them. They're great. They're great. That's not the point. The point is that's this type of shit that they'll green light. And then everyone will be like, just pay the writers their money. Um, well, uh, I, for one, uh, hope that the writers get, uh, get this 
get what they deserve and uh they they i i that came out wrong i hope they get paid right i hope i hope the i hope the writers get what they they get what's coming to them oh so help me oh no joaquin phoenix you get what you fucking deserve uh yeah uh hopefully this they can come to the resolution on this quickly and uh because because we love our writers and we love good stories and we love um you know the, all the content that's like half half the crap we talk about is content great, that, that writers put great out in the great world, writers so. man great writers great writers do amazing things and then great actors take that that uh that and and elevate it even more i like my favorite writer of all time television writer of all time you know you know you know his you know his name travis rod serling uh, I was going to say Jeff Loveness. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, uh, I, you know, I didn't like Quantumania that, that much. So, no, I don't, I don't count it. But, um, All right. Well, that's our show, everybody. <laughs> no, uh, the, the, the Twilight Zone. Like, he, he did a majority of the, the 156 episodes of The Twilight Zone. Like, he wrote those, those stories. And, like, he had, he had emotion in there. He had passion. He had a message. He, you know, social injustice trying to make the world a better place. And, uh, you know, like a good writer that those stories will stand the test of time. And like, I'm still talking about the twilight zone, obviously, uh, because like it's been a, become a part of who I am. And so I think good writers do that. And so I think that's why we should support, uh, the arts. (laughs) There you go. Um, well that I think is going to do it. Support the arts, uh, support yourself doing (laughs) pushups, Um, support the your civic duty if you get called for jury duty. That's right. And uh, go for a run. Do all those things. Do all those things. Um, uh, and, and then, and, and then, if you want to do push-ups with us, make sure you send us a, a message on on Twitter or uh, our, our email at ap- uh, apatheticenthusiasmshow at gmail dot com. Do those things, and we'll put your we'll add you to the spreadsheet. We'll send you a link. And we'll add you to the spreadsheet. Hundred push-ups a day, and if you don't want to do hundred push-ups a day. Any amount of push-ups a day uh, will, will be good, um, and you know what? You know, I'll for for the for any extra person that does push-ups with us, I'll I'll donate a little bit of extra money. What a guy! Like a dollar or two extra per person. I, I'm not going to tell you the exact amount because then you're going to hold me to it and you're like, and I I can't no. afford that much money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of a su- all of a sudden, it just we have the. Biggest response we've ever had from this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, hey, Brandon, uh, you're obligated to uh, 200 grand. What? <laughs> <laughs> not not possible. Not possible. <laughs> um, anyway, that's our show. Thank you so much for watching. If you are watching live on Twitch, stick around uh, for the Twitch post show. Um, and if you miss the post show or you're not available on Monday nights, you can go to patreon.com slash enthusiasm for video of the post show. Uh, until next week, I am Travis. And I am Brandon. And thank you so much for paying attention to us. <laughs> Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.